we're singing tonight, and uh, appreciate that song tonight, amen. The life of faith uh, is, is a fight tonight, amen. That's what Paul said uh, when he reached the end of his life. He knew that he was going to die, and he said, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, uh, and I've kept the faith, amen. And I appreciate what Sister Thelma uh, had to say tonight, just about not wanting to change, just wanting to be the same. And um, I heard about this week a, uh, a preacher that I know, he's my age, and uh, he told his church, he sat the men down at his church, and he told them that he didn't exclusively believe in the King James Bible anymore, and he decided that it wasn't a sin to drink anymore, and that alcohol was more something of preference and uh, I just, I don't want to go that way. Amen. And uh, I want to believe what I'm, now if I'm wrong, I'll change. But I, I'm just convinced I'm not wrong. Amen. And uh, believe the Word of God. And I want to believe this Bible and still be using the same book. Amen. And uh, hold the same line, still be married to the same woman. Amen. And uh, hold to the same convictions that uh, the fathers of the faith have passed down to us. And uh, the good men of God have instilled in my heart and my life. And I want to thank God for the preachers that the Lord has allowed me to cross paths with. And uh, there was a time in my life I didn't know a whole lot. And I could have gone another way. Uh, but I'm thankful that the Lord, through His direction, just hitched me up with some good men of God. And uh, amen. You're my crowd. Amen. And uh, I love you tonight. love this church and love our pastor. And all that the Lord has done in this church, amen, and all He is doing. And uh, just the legacy here with Brother Cape and what the Lord's going to continue to do and the things that God is doing now and in the future, amen. And uh, love our church tonight, amen. First Samuel 17, I want you to look with me, if you will, in verse number 29. And we'll read just a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit more lengthy reading, but uh, we know what's going on, we know the story uh, concerning David and Goliath and the battle that was taking place here uh, in this valley. But I want to give you just the thought that's on our heart tonight and we'll be done. We'll do our best to be brief and just uh, get out of the way uh, for our part tonight. Amen. But look with me, if you will, in verse number uh, 29 tonight of 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 29. The Bible says, And David said... What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. 
And Saul armed David with his armor and put a helmet of brass upon his head. And also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And a sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, army, of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast to fight. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, God, for your grace and your love and kindness, Lord, how it abounds in our hearts and our lives, Lord, each and every day. Father, I pray that you would bless us tonight, Lord, and, and you would help us, Lord. We've uh, worked our jobs, Lord. We've went about our business in the day, and, and Lord, some of us are weary. We're tired, uh, Lord, in body, but I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us and help us, Lord, from your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me and, and help me, dear Lord. I pray that you'd use me, Lord, as, as your vessel, Lord, and as your servant tonight. And I pray, Lord, for, for power from on high, Father. I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would help us. I pray for Brother Ricky and Miss Nolita, Lord, that you'd touch them and bless them, uh, Lord, as they're away. And, Father, I pray that your will would be done in this place. God, that you'd receive all honor and glory for everything that's said and done. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. When we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 17, we of course know that this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, many of us who have been raised up in church or been around Sunday school any uh, amount of time, we've all heard, even those that are unchurched, have heard uh, of the story uh, of David and Goliath. And whenever we think about this story, of course, there is some practical application that we have and then as well as, as some typology and uh, whenever we consider that topology, we look at, at David. And David is a picture uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he is there, he is rallying uh, the troops to himself. He's there standing against evil and standing against uh, the opposition of the Lord. And then, of course, we have Saul. Saul is a really good picture in this text of the flesh. Uh, the flesh tries to take its armor and its ways and its means and put it upon David and send him to the battle. And, and David said, I, I cannot take these. I, I have not proved them. And by the way, that's what the flesh always wants to do. The flesh always wants to fight spiritual battles with physical and worldly and practical means tonight. But David had enough sense to know that that wasn't his armor. He hadn't proved it. That wasn't his weaponry. And so he couldn't 
go, go out there. Uh, just a young man in the armor of the king who by the way stood head and shoulders above everybody else in the kingdom and clanging around in that armor and go out and look like a fool and try to fight this giant. But David said that he had not proved them. He had rather made the decision to trust in the Lord. Whenever we think about Goliath, Goliath is a type and a picture uh, of Satan in our text. And it's one of those men that Satan had ready to stand and defy uh, the people of God and defy the seed of Israel. And by the way, Satan always has a man who's ready. Whether it's an Adolf Hitler, whether it's a Benito Mussolini, whether it's a Caesar of Rome, no matter who it is, Satan always has a man who's ready because Satan doesn't know the time and the hour when the rapture of the church is going to take place. And so I believe tonight that he's always got somebody ready and Goliath was one of these individuals tonight. Amen. And so we've examined David. We looked at Saul. We think about Goliath tonight. But I want you to look with me uh, in our text verse tonight. And that's verse number 40. And I want you to see what David does. The Bible said, And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand. I want to look at these stones tonight as a picture of you and I. I want to look at these stones as a type of the believer. And with that thought or that line of thinking in mind tonight, I want to preach on this subject for just a few moments tonight. I want to talk to you about the story of the stones, the story of the stones. Whenever we consider stones, and I just kind of did a quick word study as we were thinking about this tonight, and uh, when we think about the word stones or stone in the Word of God, you can just search it on your phone in your Strong's Concordance, or you can look at it in the references in the Word of God, and you'd be amazed at how many times that stones are referenced in the Word of God. And I listed just a few just to uh, name them tonight. In Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 40, uh, the Lord Jesus tonight talks about stones. If the multitude had not praised the Lord, He said that that's, those stones would begin to cry out and begin to give Him glory and begin to recognize His deity and recognize the fact that He was God. And so in Luke's Gospel and other Gospel accounts, those stones teach us that God is to be praised and they point us to the idea of praise. John chapter number 20 and verse number 1 Mary Magdalene is there at the tomb. The resurrected Lord has already uh, got up and He is uh, uh, out of the tomb. The tomb was empty and the Bible talks about the angel coming and saying that the Lord it was not here for He is risen. That the stone had been rolled away and that stone represents the power of God. Listen, it was an angel that rolled that stone away. But the book of Acts declares to us tonight that it was God that raised Him from the dead. He told Pilate that he had all power that was given unto him in heaven and in earth. And so that there is a stone that not only teaches us about praise, but there's a stone in the Word of God that represents the power of Almighty God. But when we come to our text tonight, David goes down to the brook and he picks up five smooth stones. And these five smooth stones tonight speak to you and I about God's purpose for our life. The story of the stones. 
whenever we consider these stones. I find these stones are in three places here in the Word of God. And I want you to understand that each and every one of us find ourselves in these places at some point in time in our life. The first place we find these stones is we find them in the brook. Look with me in verse number 40. The Bible said, And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. The first place that we find these stones, we find them in the brook. You say, what's so special about that? What significance does that have tonight? Listen, you may be a new Christian tonight. You may be a babe in Christ and you find yourself in the brook. You're just a stone in the water. You say, preacher, what do you mean tonight? What I mean by that is this. Is these, you ever gone down to the creek bed or of a creek bake and you find those stones that the water has rolled over them over the years? No telling how long they've been here. And what's significant about those stones is that they're smooth. They're round. There's no rough edges on them because the water has flowed over them continuously over and over and over again. And what I'm trying to get you to understand tonight is sometimes we find ourselves in the brook of what God is trying to do to you, young Christian, and what God is trying to do in your life, new convert. He's trying to get all of those rough edges off of you. Maybe there's some habits that are lingering and some, some unfavorable attributes that are in your life and God is, has begun His work of sanctification in your life. And you notice you don't talk like you used to talk and you don't go the same places that you used to go and your attitudes change and your spirit's different and you have a new disposition that's because God is doing a work in your heart and life and God is using the water of the word to get the rough edges off of your life tonight can I encourage you young person maybe you're here and as we said you're a new convert you've not been saved that long and boy, I remember getting saved as a 14-year-old boy and then baptized into an independent Baptist church at age 18 and then the Lord calling me to preach at 20. And I remember those moments and I remember those days how God would change. Listen, I, I didn't always grow up uh, in church and I'm not going to disclose everything but there were some things about me uh, that were certainly less than Christian. Amen. And God began to work in my heart and life. Do you remember those days uh, when you'd say, that word and the Holy Ghost uh, would check your heart and He'd put you under conviction. Uh, and you try, I, I, I tried to practice saying other things. Amen. And it's not probably not good, a good habit uh, to use by words, but at least I wasn't saying the same thing. Amen. Uh, but God was doing a work in my heart and life. And I remember learning how to pray and still don't really know how to do that. But I remember going through the Word of God and all of those times and those moments that were new and fresh. And God God was working in my heart and I wouldn't trade those days for anything. No, I hadn't been perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've done a lot of dumb stuff on purpose, but I'm glad that God was patient with me and He slowly began to work those rough edges off. And hey, He's still doing that tonight. Amen. I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. Hallelujah. I'm not what I'm going to be when I get to glory. And it's all because Christ, He's working in me and He's working working in you and what I'm just trying to encourage you to do is let him work on you tonight amen you'll never tonight graduate from the school of sanctification 
ever. Amen. Whether you're 9 or 90 tonight, amen, God wants to do a work in you. Paul said this, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that means tonight? Until he comes, he's got a plan for you. Until he comes, he's got some things that he wants to work in you and work out of you and some rough edges that he's trying to take away. And it may be boring at times and you want to advance quicker than what you are but just let the water of the word of God work in you and let God have his way in your life tonight amen God desires to work upon us and you'll not be a great Christian and you'll not be a prayer warrior and you'll not be somebody who's knowledgeable in the Bible overnight amen Say, preacher, I'm really not where I want to be. Can I just tell you, I'm in the same category tonight, amen. I'm not where I want to be with the Lord. I'm not what I should be with the Lord, amen. But I know if we'll commit ourselves to the Word of God and we'll find a prayer closet and we'll commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and determine in our heart and our mind that there's not anything that this world has, anything that this world has to hold that'll keep us from being Spirit-filled and keep us from walking with the Lord and keep us from going into Canaan and just make up our mind to get in the fight and just do what God would have us to do tonight. Amen. So you find yourself in the brook. God desires to work those rough edges off of your life. Would you let Him do that tonight? Amen. So we find ourselves in the brook. The Bible said that He took that staff in His hand and He chose Him five smooth stones out of the brook. But then notice with me, secondly, He chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag. He put them in a bag. Picked them up out of the brook. Their time in the brook was over. Their time in the water had come to an end. David bent down and he picked those stones up and they put them in the bag. They put them close to his side tonight. Amen. You may have found yourself in the brook tonight, but now, tonight, you find yourself in the bag. You find yourself in a waiting place. You find yourself in the darkness. You find yourself seemingly not being used tonight. You find yourself on a church pew. You find yourself in indifference. You find yourself in a a common place tonight. Amen. Uh, But thank God the consolation with all of it is is that you're at the Lord's side. You're in His possession tonight. Amen. And each and every one of us have to go for a time of waiting. Every servant that God ever used and every person that he ever used for his honor and his glory he put them to the test in a place of waiting you consider Moses on the backside of the the desert you uh, consider David under the stars keeping his father's flock and later on in the cave you think about all of those individuals even the Lord Jesus Christ he went into that wilderness to fast for those 40 days and those 40 nights Uh, we think about 
countless Bible characters that God put in isolation. You think about Paul up there on the backside of the desert for some uh, 14 years. Nobody, uh, they, they seemingly forgot about him. Nobody knew his name. Nobody knew who he was. But he was there with the Lord Jesus Christ and he was receiving the doctrine that Christ gave him and he was preparing him so that he could travel to those churches and write the gospel and write the word of God to those, those Christians to the four corners of the known world. What I'm trying to get you to understand is God uses the waiting times in our life. He uses those seasons of darkness. He uses those times of difficulty. Young Christian, you say, when is it going to be my time to serve the Lord? When is it going to be my time to sing? When is it going to be my time to preach? When is it going to be my time, young preacher, to have your face on a flyer? By the way, that's not all it's cracked up to be. Amen. But when is it going to be my time to be in the forefront and be in the spotlight? When is God going to use me tonight? Listen, and we remember those days. When is it going to be my turn? When is God going to use me tonight? And, and the wait is worth it tonight. Amen. Because it makes you appreciate things so much the more tonight. Amen. When is it going to be my time? When is God going to decide? When is David going to decide to put his hand down in that bag and choose me? God has something for you tonight and maybe something is burning in your heart and burning in your mind and it's just not time yet. You know, timing is everything when it comes to God. God's not bound by a clock and He doesn't work and exercise around a clock or a watch tonight and it's a taskmaster to us. Our lives are bound by it. We rise and we sleep and we work and we do all of our business and everything that pertains to the day, it's connected to a clock. It's connected to time. But God's not bound by time tonight. Amen. Let God, just as you allowed Him to work in the brook stage, let Him work in your life in the bag stage. It truly is a, a true statement that good thing does come to those who wait. We live in a society where we want everything now. God may not be ready to use you now. God hasn't worked in you and worked through you what He wants to do in your life. The children of Israel, as they wandered there in the wilderness, God brought them out of Egypt, but still Egypt was still left in them. And God was working that out of them tonight. Amen. There may be some things that God wants to show you and prove to you and train you and just prove Himself to you tonight. Amen. So there's a time of waiting in the bag we see the brook the bag and then here's where we want to labor for just a few moments tonight we see these stones are they go from the brook they go to the bag and then we find them in the battle tonight look with me in verse number 48 the bible said and it came to pass when the philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet david that david hasted and ran toward the army to meet the philistine david put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David didn't have a sword at that time. 
We know that he took Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. But it's interesting to note tonight that God used a simple shepherd boy, just a common person, and he used him with what he had. Boy, we think about again Moses there before the burning bush and he's keeping the flock uh, uh, there in, on the backside of the desert and God speaks to him uh, out of that, bur- that burning bush and, and he's talking to Moses and he calls him and, and Moses kind of him hauls around a little bit and he gives some excuses as to, to why he can't do it and the Lord asks him a question. He says, what is in thine hand? Moses looks down in his hand and he answers and he says, a rod. We think about Shamgar who had the ox goad who killed that great number uh, of the enemies of the people of God and the enemies of the Lord. We think about Samson who had the jawbone of that donkey. We think about all of those individuals, that little lad who was there in the presence of our Lord who just had a lunch. He had five loaves and two fishes and Jesus used what he had. Amen. And, and listen, when we think about God using individuals and God using people, we, our, our mind goes to all those heroes of the faith and somehow we seem displaced from those people and somehow we, 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 see, we, we find ourselves alienated from those individuals and we think about David and we think about Elijah and we think about those twelve uh, those uh, 11 disciples that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ used and we think about the Apostle Paul and somehow we're disconnected from that but listen, what made those individuals great was not their attributes it was not their character traits what made them great tonight was their belief in a big God and their trust in a great Savior and can I remind you tonight that God likes to use simple individuals and there's a work that God wants to do in the world and there's a work that God wants to do in this age of grace and He's not looking for somebody with great swelling words or some great talent tonight listen God wants to use the people that He saved and He called to Himself who are calling place people just like you and I to accomplish his work tonight David could have made an excuse he could have said well you know there is a cause but you know that giant out there let me tell you some things about Goliath tonight Goliath was large it's estimated that he stood somewhere around nine feet tall he was a big dude you wouldn't want to meet him on a back alley much less down in a valley all by yourself He was a large individual. And can I say this, that the obstacles that we face and the battles that we're in and the things that come against us, sometimes they they may be small to somebody else, but to us they're large. Goliath was not only large, but Goliath was loud. I mean, he's out there, he's in a valley between two mountains and the sound is carrying and Buddy Saul's back there hiding and the armies of Israel are shaking in their boots and they don't know what to do and that giant is loud. That giant wasn't going anywhere. He was reminding them of his presence. Boy, there's sometimes we, there are things that we face in this life and they just remind us that they're not going anywhere. Maybe some temptation that you face. Maybe some kind of difficulty. I I don't know what the problem or the issue or the obstacle is. But those things are so large in our perception. And they're not only large, but they're loud. We think about them often. And they present themselves. He was large. He was loud. He was loaded. He had that spear and he had that armor. He was not only a big individual... But he had the equipment and he had the armor. 
that gave an intimidating viewpoint, gave an intimidating uh, view to the people of Israel. Breathing out threatenings. Cursing God. But here David is. He's not trusting in a sword. He's not trusting in himself. He's not trusting in Saul's armor. And really, he's not not even really trusting in a stone and a sling. What's he trusting in? He said in verse number 45, he said, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day. Will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from me. I mean, David's talking big. Because David knows and understands that he's not trusting in himself. David's not trusting in the army of Israel. David's not trusting in Saul. But David is trusting in the name of the Lord. The God that has proven himself over and over and over again. And here Goliath is. He's he's crying out, give me a man that we may fight. Send a man down to this valley. And he knows and he understands that he cannot fight all of Israel's army alone and by himself. But if he can just get one man off of his guard, catch him off catch him red handed catch him with his guard down he can take that individual and he can take them one by one by one as they come down to the valley but thank God there's something that Goliath didn't take into consideration there was one coming not depending on himself but he was depending upon his God and David with that stone in his hand and that sling in his possession he took that rock and he sunk it into the forehead of that giant and thank God the bigger he was the harder he fell and David became a hero that day because he trusted in God we find ourselves oftentimes in the brook we find ourselves in the bag but maybe tonight you found yourself in the battle it's not you tonight that's going to prevail it's certainly not your flesh that's going to prevail But thank God it's the Savior who has you in His hands and has you in His possession and knows the weak spot of the devil, knows the weak spot of the obstacles, knows the weak spots of the things and the problems that befall us tonight. And if we'll just trust in Him and if we'll encourage ourselves just to do that each day, all day, every day, just to trust in the name of God, to trust in the One that's proven Himself, to place ourselves in His possession and say, God, I can't do it by myself. But I know that you've got me And I know I'm in your arms And I know I'm in your hand tonight And if you'll just use me any way that you want to Here I am and I'll make myself available tonight Amen See God wants to use us He he doesn't want to just keep you in the brook And knock all of those rough edges off of you And sanctify you Just to throw you in the bag And never use you tonight Amen what have we got to do? We've just got to make ourselves available to Him. Make ourselves usable in His hand tonight. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and there was a time that you, we, we always put it like this, that you were, you were on fire for God.
that you were being used by God. That you were more in love with Jesus at, at some other point in your life than you are now. It's not all entirely your fault. The cares of life, the responsibilities, things that grab our attention, they've weighed you down. And you've drifted away from our Savior. You've drifted away from the Lord. But do you remember the fervor that you once had? Do you remember the fire that once burned in your heart, in your life? Do you remember, preacher, when you, when you breathed and you slept and you ate and it, with every fiber of your being, this is what you wanted more than anything else in your life. And you'd give anything to preach. You'd give anything just to share your testimony. But now you're cold and indifferent. The flames flickered. And you're not where you were. But the good news is tonight is you can be. God's not moved. God's not changed. God's not gotten cold and indifferent. You have and I have tonight. Would you come to Him tonight? Let Him use you again. Let the fire once burn. Vance Havner said this. He said, if there was ever a time in your life that you are more in love with Jesus than you are now. You need revival. Revival is not something that we chase. It's, it's not something that, that we have in our mindset that we can never obtain. Revival is just falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ all over again and giving Him the preeminence in your heart and your life tonight. Amen. Would you do that tonight? Let's stand together. Would you come tonight?